Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, we as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at GodIsGrayXO at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash godisgray. Now, on to the episode. Hi, beautiful, beautiful people. people. I wanted to introduce you guys to Joan Price. She is an author and speaker and an advocate for ageless sexuality. Joan Price is also an award-winning author and the leading senior sexpert and the voice behind the award-winning blog about Sex and Aging, Naked at Our Age. She's also the author of Better Than I Ever Expected, Straight Talk About Sex After 60, and Naked at Our Age, Talking Out Loud About Senior Sex. Links to all her work can be found at joanprice.com. Hello, Joan. Hi, so glad to be here with you. Yes, this is wonderful. Um, for anyone listening, I understand that this might seem a little bit strange to be presenting a senior sexpert to an audience of like teenagers and young people, but I have so much personal curiosity about aging and growing into my sexuality and acclimating to the changes in my body. And um I really wanted to present to you guys someone that can speak to that so we feel less afraid of the future and what it holds. <laughs> and exactly. And I want to add to that, that if we acknowledge that we will be sexual beings lifelong and we know that things will change and we get a head start on understanding what will be changing what we'll need to cope with, that will only enhance our lives and leave us much less prone to being fearful. Yeah, exactly. And I'm a huge advocate of no fear. The Bible tells us to fear not over 90 times. So it's like, the more we can demystify the things that make us afraid, I think the better off and healthier we are. Excellent attitude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, let's see, where is the best place to begin? Maybe just with your personal story a little bit, what made you realize that this was an area that was kind of missing in expertise and research and that sort of thing? I had had two totally different careers before I started writing about older age sexuality. Mm -hmm. I was a high school English teacher for 22 years. And then after a near fatal accident, uh, really literally almost killed me, I became an advocate for fitness, 
because my fitness habit had saved my life. So that's a long story, which I won't get into now, but that's where I was writing books, giving speeches, teaching classes, uh, working with personal training clients. My favorite people to work with were the people who said, I hate exercise because I said, aha, you just haven't found the exercise that you love yet. Well, then at age, at age 57, I fell in love with a man who was 64. Now, I'd had a marriage, I'd had several important relationships, and a few, I'd say, not quite so important, but I didn't know it at the time. (laughs) And then I was single for a long time after menopause. And then I met him, the person who would become my great love. Uh, And he was 64, I was 57. Our relationship was so exhilarating, Brenda. It was the epitome of what a relationship can be on a physical, emotional, spiritual level, all of it. And the sex was great. (laughs) Nobody told me. Nobody, where are we supposed to know that this could happen? I went looking for books that would, uh, I'm a writer, I'm a reader, so I went looking for books that would uh, share other people's experiences like this, and I didn't find any. So Robert said, write your own. (laughs) I said, all right, I will. My first senior sex book was published when I was 61. I'm now 75, and I haven't stopped yet. (laughs) You look amazing, by the way. I can't Thank believe you. your age. <laughs> I'm sure all of this great sex keeps you young. <laughs> well, that's part of it. <laughs> I'm curious, what were some of the questions or the answers that you were seeking when you were looking for other books on the subject at that time? Well, at that time, what I was amazed at was how fabulous it could be. Was it like younger age sex? No, it wasn't. We needed a lot more time to get aroused. But that was not a bad thing. That seemed like something to celebrate. Because who hasn't wanted someone to slow down, take your time, you know, (laughs) let's have some pleasure here. And then as we both were making love in older bodies, we found we both needed that. And we both needed to find ways that we could give each other pleasure. They weren't necessarily the goal-oriented sexual expectations of our youth. We weren't being driven by our hormones anymore. What were we being driven by? Well, maybe we were doing the driving now. And that was beautiful. So I wrote my first book, Better Than I Ever Expected, Straight Talk About Sex After 60, to celebrate the joys of older age sexuality, to share that, to say, hey, no, we're not weird. This is the way it can be. Oh, that's amazing. But then people reacted to that book with a great deal of interest, believe me. (laughs) They started emailing me and and stopping me at the gym and, and raising their hands at my speeches and saying, well, bully for you having great sex at your age, but I'm not. Because, and then they would enumerate these things that were interfering, their physiological changes, their uh, relationship problems, their emotional changes, their resistance to aging, so many things. And so I realized, wait, uh, that wasn't my only book about this subject. 
Now it's time to go to the next part. Okay, I celebrated older age sexuality. Now let's deal candidly, openly, and helpfully with the problems that people encountered. Mm -hmm. So book number two, (laughs) Naked at Our Age, Talking Out Loud About Senior Sex, which includes about 150 reader stories with their questions, their problems, and about 45 experts addressing their issues. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that uh, Naked at Our Age was my award-winning book. It, it won two awards and was a finalist for a third, and I'm extremely proud of it. Amazing. I thought it was done. I still wasn't done. <laughs> <laughs> I still wasn't done. People still kept saying, okay, I read Naked at Our Age. This is very helpful. But now I need to know more about the medical issues. I need to know about how medications affect sex. And they had so many more questions. They wanted me to go deeper. So then I wrote The Ultimate Guide to Sex After 50. and then I thought it was done, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing a new one, Brenda. <laughs> okay, before you get into the new one, because I love I love what you're about to say with the new one, but um, I am also so interested that you say you were no longer led by your hormones, is what you started noticing in the first book of Celebration. And I think as a young person, um, or senior in training, as you call us, one of my great fears, I think, has been losing that just like the drive or the desire. And like I've talked to, are you always hear older people kind of breeze behind you or on movies or TV shows where they're just like, you know, making jokes about how that part of their life is completely dead. And I think that, you know, of course, not only Christians, but a lot of Christians I know fall into a complacency. Because a lot of us are taught to demonize our bodies. Mm. A lot of us are taught that our flesh is evil and all like pleasure kind of becomes synonymous with evil. And then there's even some churches that say things that I totally disagree with that are not biblically based that are like, you know, only missionary position, only sex, no variety of that. So I think just understanding that it tr- it can transfer from just being I'm hormone led to actually I'm making a decisive move because this person and I are engaging in something very specific or just acknowledge the fact that there is more than one way to get sexual gratification which it's not just missionary sex that the, you know that's so important and that's one of my most important messages when I talk to older people mm-hmm. because some to often the old ways don't work the way they used to anymore. Can there you may be a little more like I'm curious. Sure. Yeah. Um, like, well, let's talk frankly. You're yeah. talking about missionary. Mm-hmm. Well, let's expand that to not just positions for penetrative intercourse, but let's transfer that to intercourse itself may not be the best way for achieving arousal and and satisfaction, Mm. depending on what's going on, whether there are erectile problems, whether there are problems with vaginal pain. Mm. Um, Vaginal dryness is definitely a thing, but there are wonderful lubricants for that. So that doesn't need to be a problem. But if sex as we knew it, which may have been missionary penetrative sex, no longer either brings pleasure or works, 
if it's um, so problematic that people are turning their faces to the wall and say, well, you know, this is just so disheartening, so discouraging yeah. that we just, I guess we're done with sex. And that, that breaks my heart because no, you're not, <laughs> you don't have to be. Sex is sexual pleasure, sexual intimacy, the bonding that comes with sex. That's ours lifelong. That doesn't have to go away, but we may want to look at other ways to pleasure each other, to pleasure ourselves. We may want to look at expanding, I call it expanding our sexual repertoire yeah. so that there are, because if you imagine sex as an enormous buffet, intercourse is only one dish. <laughs> yeah. And as good as it may be, don't you want to sample some of this and some of that, perhaps, <laughs> which you might enjoy that flavor more than you thought. Yeah. So I encourage even young people, seniors in training, to expand your repertoire now when all options are open, when you're, when you're not being faced with, well, that doesn't work so well anymore. My hips don't let me get in that position or can't keep an erection if I do that or I don't have orgasms with with that way of having sex anyway. Yeah. So let's explore from your age, from younger than your age, so that we have this whole buffet to choose from. Why do you think it is crucial that couples maintain the sexual intimacy into their older age? What about intimacy do you think is so valuable? Think about why you wanted to be with that person. I'm not saying it's because you wanted a sexual outlet that might have been a part of it, but the bonding, the pleasure you can have with each other, the way you want to give pleasure to each other, the way you want to let someone in, in an intimate way, in an intimate way physically and emotionally and relationship-wise. And by giving up on sex, well, two things will happen. One is you're shredding some of that. You're shredding a lot of that, perhaps. And so the rest of the intimacy, the emotional intimacy, the communication intimacy can fade away and you can yeah. become distant. And yeah. then the other part of it is, and I hear from people all the time in this situation, one person is ready to let go of sex. The other one isn't. Mm. Now, when you said till death do us part, well, you weren't necessarily saying we're going to make love till our dying breath, but you were assuming that this journey you were on together, this intimate journey, would be a part of what you shared and that one person would not unilaterally, unilaterally just decide we're done with that now. Yeah. Because I hear so often from and it can be a husband it can be a wife doesn't matter their gender saying um my spouse has decided that he or she is done with sex and i'm not and i don't know what to do when i um i believe in my marriage vows i took a vow of of fidelity what am i supposed to do now mm. yeah. so it, it can break apart a marriage yeah, absolutely. And what sort of steps do you take talking 
like people through a situation like that where they're not on the same page? We want to find out what's going on first thing. Getting real communication going. And that's such a hard thing for people, especially people in my age. We're not used to just jabbering about every little thing to each other. <laughs> I know and... this generation might be quite a little bit different. <laughs> But Sometimes we have to we know learn. too much about people. <laughs> but that oversharing is better than undersharing, I, I think. Because you can always say, okay, that's enough. But you can't, it's hard to say, yeah, but I don't understand yet. Tell me more, please tell me. Yeah. And so often when someone shuts down sexually, they shut down in their communication too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's usually it. Usually you don't have a couple where someone will say, well, this is going on for me, and it, it just um, makes me so miserable when I feel I can't please you that I just would, let's just not do that anymore. They usually aren't going to say that. They're going to say, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, look how old we are. Yeah. You know, they don't talk about what's really going on. So the first step is really to get it open. And you may need a professional for that. You may need a counselor who, whose day job it is to help people talk to each other. So you don't have to reinvent the, the wheel. If this is difficult, get a professional in. Just as if you were uh, having a, uh, an asthma attack that wasn't controlled by your inhaler, uh, you go to your HMO and say, I need something different. Help me. Listen to my breathing and help me. I, I really see it as very similar. Or, or if you uh, love dancing and your knee hurt, well, you'd find the right knee brace. You wouldn't give up dancing, right? No, yeah. You, you bring up such an excellent point. I feel like a lot of times it seems to me in sexuality, it's the first thing that people are willing to get complacent with or they're willing to just be like, well, this just sucks. There you go. Where you would never do that with any other function of your body that's in pain. Exactly right. And you and the way you you said it is perfect. We are in pain when that happens. We are in emotional pain. We're in relationship pain. And we may be in physical pain. So it means and spiritual pain too. And spiritual pain for yeah. sure. Because that wasn't part of your marriage vow, was it? To say, well, you know, if anything comes up, then we just forget we said this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so a big part of it is learning how to communicate or getting someone to help you do that. Mm-hmm. Another is to find out what's going on medically if it is a medical problem. Erectile dysfunction is not a normal sign of aging. It doesn't come with the territory. It means something is wrong. The blood flow Wait, is- it doesn't come with the territory? That's not no. like erections will be less hard and less frequent won't last as long that's part of the territory for the erections to just totally go away with no reason there is a reason that's not part of the territory see i think that oh that's a misconception i had i thought you just hit a certain age and it's not possible anymore not true so Mm -hmm. so what you need to do is find out what is going on that is causing the blood flow not to get to the genitals. Mm -hmm. It could be heart disease. It could be diabetes. It could be a neurological condition. And do you know the term canary in a coal mine? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you think most of your listeners do? (laughs) Because I could explain it if not. Yeah, yeah. Just that, yeah, maybe give it a little explanation. Okay. Canary in a coal mine. Back in the olden times when people would go into the coal mines and not know if they were going to die down there. They would 
sometimes carry a canary in a cage. If the canary died, it meant there wasn't enough air and you were going to die next if you didn't get out. So it's a warning sign that something really bad will happen if you don't pay attention. That's, that's what really, that's called. really good. Yeah, and I would hate for people to be complacent about that erectile dysfunction, yeah. even at younger ages, because, you know, not realizing that it could be cueing you into some other issues. That's right. It could be the canary saying you have early heart disease. You have to get, you have to deal with that. You have diabetes, no signs other than oh, the blood flow is not going to your genitals. And it isn't only for men. It's also if women who were arousable suddenly find I don't get aroused. Not, things that used to work don't work. Nothing's happening. I just it just isn't there. There's no physiological response to what you're doing that I used to love. Could be the same thing. It could be one of these medical conditions. And would you say that comes with the territory of aging too? Because that's another belief that I've kind of held that your desire just fully goes away. Well, desire and physiological function are different. Okay. So the for the physiological function to be unattainable, that's a medical problem. Mm. For the desire to wane, now that can happen for a lot of reasons. One is the hormone depletion. You're not being driven by your testosterone and your estrogen. And women have testosterone too. It's a big part of their sex drive. Mm -hmm. uh, you, that's going to decrease and you're not driven by that anymore. So in addition to the lack of hormones, we also can get into a stagnation of our relationship, especially if we're doing the same thing all the time. It's always Saturday night and we have sex in this one way and then we go Sunday through Friday and nothing or or <laughs> we, we just have this this one way of doing we're in a rut. We're in a rut and we need some variety. Uh, we it can also be a sign that there are some relationship problems. There are other things. You know, I, I often say that sex isn't only about sex yeah. and everything else is also about sex very often we will stop responding to a partner not because of anything sexual or physiological but because we're mad or we're disappointed yeah there's something else going on that we're not talking about because that's too hard yeah. what's harder to let things fester than to talk about it we're also easily distracted as we get older, and since we don't have those hormones, we're needing really to value sexuality and to concentrate on it when we're in the midst of it. And if our phones are going off and the um, and and things are pinging and buzzing, and we're just going to go, what 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 else should I be paying attention to? Yeah, like a disconnection with your partner. Yeah, leave all that stuff outside. Close the door. Light a candle. Make it just about you. Yeah. Yeah. I notice a lot of like older couples too will have like seven dogs sleeping on their bed or like they'll have <laughs> like they'll have physical obstacles to that kind of connection. Like I was I was talking to a friend that's not even that old. She's like 50, but you know, she was talking about how the dogs sleep with them and they leave the door open and their kids might come in and I was just thinking to myself like why wouldn't you just clear out all the obstacles so at least becomes a possibility like 
at least try to have a candle in the vicinity, at least try to keep your bed clean and your room clear. So it actually invites that sort of chemistry. <laughs> and I go another step with that. I recommend scheduling sex dates. Oh, I don't like that, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to talk you into it. Okay. Because... <laughs> I mean, I'm single, so, you know, but I'm listening. <laughs> okay. Uh, and and we can talk about scheduling sex dates with yourself, too, because that's an important part. We can uh -huh. talk about that later. Um, what, as we age and we're not getting that biological drive for sex and we have very busy lives, even if we're retired and who can afford to retire anymore anyway. But even if um, we, we have so much going on that we're doing that we can go for weeks, months without realizing we haven't had sex. Wow. I know. So if we make sex dates a couple of times a week, even once a week, put it on our calendars, two things happen. One is it's likely to happen. Mm. The other thing that happens is we start to anticipate it. And that's mental foreplay. Okay. That is exciting to think, okay, just a couple of days to go before our sex date. <laughs> And it's going to be wonder. I don't which which lingerie shall I wear? What sex toys will I have available? How am I going to surprise my mate with something unexpected? Mm -hmm. And all of that combines to fueling our sexual desire, our sexual interest, and our respect. get the more stimulation we need we need that yeah. and and just as we need more stimulation we're getting arthritis how is that fair mm. yeah oh my gosh <laughs> didn't even think about that <laughs> well there you go yeah now I mean it's all you'll think about right <laughs> wake up in the middle of the night like dang it Joan Price <laughs> um well yeah I actually talked to a man I try I, yeah I talked to a man that is Christian and he was very offended by the idea of sex toys and sounds like his, his wife and him had had this debate about it and 
It's not uncommon. I've talked to even male friends of mine that you'd think were mighty progressive that find them intimidating. And um, his point, this one guy was, I don't want a third party in the room that wouldn't, you know, something else pleasuring my wife. And I was, I just said to him, I was like, but what if you're the one holding it? You're the one exactly creating yeah. that pleasure. You are the one facilitating it. What if you were the person that bought it? Then you're even more so facilitating the pleasure that you're bringing to your beloved, this person you committed your life to. And if a woman is asking or saying she needs an extra bit of stimulation, that is not because you're not coming through in the best way possible. It's just there's like a lot of physical things that can happen that mm -hmm. would require that, correct? Exactly right. Exactly. And if you, uh, another thing you can say this to this man is you are the one facilitating it if, while she's using her vibrators, say, on her clitoris, you are doing all sorts of <clears throat> lovely things to her breasts, to her vagina, whatever it is that she enjoys yeah. in addition to that vibrator. And yeah. then you're a team. <laughs> you're a wonderful, loving yeah. team. And it's just a tool. It's just an ex it's just the right tool for the job. Is there ways to deal with erectile dysfunction or not being able to stay hard for the same amount of time that aren't pharmaceutical? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And on my blog, nakedatourage.com, I review sex toys from a senior perspective. Oh, cool. I've okay. reviewed probably 130 of them. I know, tough job, but someone's got to do it, right? <laughs> so I just take it for the team. <laughs> and I have a male reviewer who's marvelous, who reviews sex toys uh, for men. And I think it would be very revealing to just start going through some of those blog posts okay. and see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I really do hate when people feel uh, that pharmaceuticals are their only solution to problems like this. I want to give you a statistic that will be so important for, for your viewers and your listeners. Only 25% of women reach orgasm through intercourse alone. By saying there is one way to have sex, there's only one way that's acceptable for having sex, and that is to penetrative intercourse, no sex toys, no, you know, that's the way we're going to do it. Then what you're doing is relegating 75% of women to no orgasms at all. Well, yeah, and that's a tragedy. Yeah. And I keep telling uh, my audience as well, there is so much stigma about female pleasure and yeah. there's so much question of whether or not women deserve pleasure in the Christian community, but the clitoris serves no other purpose than pleasure. That's and right. The Lord made us. Yeah. What does that imply? Exactly. Exactly. Why would we even have that um, bundle of nerve endings if not for pleasure? Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to address is the topic of your new book, because when we talk about aging, I would say this is definitely one of my greatest fears, mm -hmm. which would be losing a partner, finally finding the man of my dreams and mm -hmm. losing him. Yes. So this is the topic of the book you're working on now. It right? is. Um, my newest book, which I'm working on now, which will be out in August 2019, is Sex After Grief. Navigating Your Sexuality After Loss of Your Beloved. Mm. It is a book near and dear to my heart. 
because my great love, Robert, died. And um, I know I come in contact with so many people who lose their spouses and then they have so many questions about how do you how do I get sexual again? Should I even get sexual again? Till death do us part. Does that mean till both of us die? Yeah. Or till one of us dies. Wow. Mm -hmm. And how do I how do I make this work emotionally as well as physically? How do I know when it's time? How do I communicate with a new partner about the fact that I might just burst out crying? Mm. And that doesn't mean we're doing the wrong thing. It just means, you know, I'm in grief. And yeah. and how do we date at this point? So all of these issues that are so important and so absent from grief books. Now, I'm, I must have read 20, 30 grief books in preparation for even thinking about writing this book. Now that, well, there must already be a book like this. Why do I need to write it? There is not. Wow, that's so crazy. I know. At most, there'll be a sentence or two. Maybe, maybe if we're really lucky, there'll be a page and a half in a grief book about sex. But it's all it does really is say, yeah, you'll feel sexual on your own timeline. Well, okay, that's a start. Yeah. That I'd like to know more than that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, I was telling you that I think uh, an issue that Christians come to face, and this could be someone younger as well, the, the person that you married, that you saved your virginity for, ends up leaving you for someone mm -hmm. else. Um, mm -hmm. Everything between getting dumped to death. Yeah. And that can happen at any age, which is so terrifying, because I think as Christians, we're taught, first of all, that in sadness you just have to pray away sadness and if you're a good enough christian and if you trust god with your life that the sadness will kind of just go away or dissipate or something and i think the other misconception is that we are all headed towards a happily ever after you're supposed to supposedly save yourself from marriage and then be with this one person for the rest of your life and meanwhile you and i both know that life is far more complicated than far that. Far more complicated. And there are so many variables to whether yes. or not your life actually works out that way. So I would love for you to address like how you even begin that journey, whether you are the 25-year-old girl that was saving herself and her husband just left overnight and disappeared, or you made it all the way till 70 and your partner's dead and you're like, what am I doing now? Am I am I betraying them in the aftermath by moving on with my life? Am I a good person for being this sad all the time? How long am I supposed to be this sad? You know, I think that trying to white knuckle through it with with prayer, um, with prayer or without prayer, but just trying to say, OK, I'll, I just at a certain point, I'll be done with this. And then, you know, then we'll be all right again. And. Uh, that doesn't happen. Mm. If we were bonded to someone, it can take a long time. And it is and there's no set time where you're done with grief. And there's no wrong way to do grief. There are some people who who say the only way that I'm going to feel like my full self again is if I get out there, if I start over again. And if 
if I instead say, no, I mustn't because I was supposed to just give myself to one person and that's lifelong. Well, it seems to me, and I'm no authority on religion, I'm certainly no authority on God, but I would think that much like, like having a clitoris that has no other purpose other than to give pleasure, if in our heart, in our spiritual self, in our physiological self, in our emotional self, we feel we can be the best person we can be if we get counseling, if we interact with other grievers, if we experience this journey fully, and when we're ready, and it may be, I think I'm ready, no, I'm not, I think I'm ready, no, I'm not, now I'm ready, maybe I wasn't, now I'll be ready. It it can be a lot of that kind of thing. Mm. But if we value ourselves and what we have to give as a good, a loving person, that there can't be anything wrong with that, it seems to me. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, yeah, most people desire a life that's shared in partnership. mm -hmm. And, you know, even the Bible says a cord of three strands can't be broken when you're, like, aligned with one other person, that you can be even more spiritual as a team. I definitely don't see any moral quandary with it personally, but... I can only imagine the guilt someone might feel. Like, did you feel guilty when you did start moving forward or on with someone else? No, it wasn't guilt. Um, I felt, uh, I'm, I took a really long time to be ready to get involved with someone else again. I did finally. And I have a really wonderful relationship right now mm. with a person who is not not Robert, not the man who died, but he's his own person. And we're both widowed, which helps a lot. Uh-huh. That that really helps a lot because we understand we can talk about our deceased spouses. Mm. We can bring that up. We can share. We can be there for each other in special days. When someone died, a birthday, you know, we need to be able to share that. Um, but along the way, I tried lots of different kinds of dating. <laughs> I don't know how much you want to know about that. I am my life is many open books, but yeah. you be the Some judge. You're called a wrinkled sex kitten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I had a friend with benefits for a while, which is how I was able to then bring back my own sexuality. And to feel okay about it. And like a safe space. A safe space. He was a friend first and a lover second. And that was, that was just what I needed at that time. Um, And it never felt, I never felt guilty about it. I felt sometimes, uh, I felt very lucky that I could find someone who would understand who I was at that moment and what I needed and not want me to do do more than that mm. you know not say well when you're over this we'll be together for it no it was never that it was never that so it was really wonderful and then when it came to a close of its own accord then I went on and started dating other ways after that so I think it takes being confident that you know yourself 
Yeah, I like what you're expressing. It sounds like a lot of self-respect, a lot of <laughs> saying, I'm not going to partner up or be sexual with someone that is not honoring the fact that I am going through this trauma and that I need this time or this space or I need this level of understanding. You couldn't do that with any old. No. <laughs> you know. No, no. Yeah. it was it was never just a hookup. But yeah. there are people who do need just the hookup. What they do need is just a release from all of the sadness. There's one person who wrote about a, an experience of hers that, and that's going in my book, where she um, she encountered someone she would never see again. It was at a wedding <laughs> in another city. She was never going to encounter this person again. They spent the weekend in bed, and she said, I just needed to be someone other than the widow grieving the loss of her beloved husband for a weekend just to free myself from that for a moment. And I, in my view, there isn't any wrong way to do grief. And there isn't any wrong way, if it doesn't hurt anyone else, to, do, to, to um, express your sexuality. That's, that's me. That's where I come from as a sex educator. Yeah, and, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. That's that's very valid <laughs> as a point. Uh -huh. And I'm not I mean, my favorite thing to say is, you know, you don't know everything. I'm not going to be in someone's shoes that is in that kind of grieving space and judge any sort of action that they take. Good. And like you said, I think as long as it doesn't include some lashing out or harming other people in the process yeah. or taking for granted the other people that you're inviting into your sexual experiences, you know, if you're abiding by being kind and loving yes. and taking care of yourself. And everything consensual. Yeah, of course. And respectful <laughs> yeah. and out in the open. No, again, we have to learn to talk first. Yeah, invaluable. Mm -hmm. Do you find it's more difficult to get men or women of your age to talk openly? Men. Is there a, a distinction <laughs> at all? Well, women are taught to talk more. Yeah. Just our culture encourages women to talk to each other, to express themselves, to but if there's an about sex, right? <laughs> well, not always about sex, but about emotions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's the easier that's easier for women in most cases now I'm not going to generalize and say that's always true yeah. but as our culture raised us that's more true that women can um, express themselves emotionally now for my age group it's still very hard to talk about sex well not for me as you can tell but for, <laughs> <laughs> for most it is because we're not taught to do that we're taught to be ashamed yeah. I mean, it's funny because I would say my Christian community and your senior community have that in common. Yes. Shame shame runs very deep through our sexuality and sensuality and pleasure and all of that. Yes. Yeah. So I guess I would say or I would love you to just express what you think is the best path for a young person. If there's any 16 year old that's made it to the end of this conversation or, you know, someone in their twenties, thirties, how can you like mentally, sexually, spiritually prepare for the fact that, you know, we're all going to get old one day. God, God willing. Educate yourself. 
educate yourself about what the changes might be. Educate yourself about sexuality in general and aging and sexuality. Read something like Naked at Our Age or The Ultimate Guide to Sex After 50. And read it with an open mind, not, ew, old people having sex. That's disgusting. <laughs> no. It says, hey, that's where I'm going to end up if I'm lucky. If I'm lucky, I will get old. Well, yes, let's talk about that for a second, too, because I think especially now with the Kardashian trends and everything of all these girls that are young getting plastic yeah. surgery. And like you mentioned a little bit earlier that there can be a barrier between like just watching your body change in this way and not being comfortable with your sexuality because of yeah. the, the way your body looks mm-hmm. or the way your body is performing. How do you wrap your head around that as it's happening? Or that's I, I'm asked that frequently. Mm-hmm. And what I suggest is that you really look at where the notion came from that only young hard bodies are sexual. Mm. And that older bodies are can't be desired or uh, I mean, that you don't even go, la, 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 don't talk to me about sex and age. Where did that come from? Is it from the media, which portrays, as you said in our opening, uh, older people as pathetic, as ludicrous if they're they're sexual? You laugh at them. Oh, these old geezers. <laughs> Who'd want him? Right. Yeah. And, and the women are generally just not sexual at all. You know, they're just taking care of their puppies and their grandbabies yeah. and uh, making recommendations of what product to buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's not realistic. Or, or were we taught, were we taught you got to be look like that in order to be desired? Maybe yeah. we were even, this goes back to when we were teenagers, we all had to, you know, looking around, what do we have to look like? You know, what do we have to wear? How, what perfume do we have to wear? What shoes do we have to buy? Um, <laughs> we can just look at that and go, wait a minute, does that serve us anymore? Does yeah. that serve us anymore? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, let's unlearn it. We've yeah. unlearned a lot of things. As we get old, we get rid of notions all the time. Yeah. Let's I like get rid that. of this one. Mm-hmm. Our bodies are capable of great sexual pleasure, of receiving it, of giving it lifelong. There's no expiration date to our sexuality. That's so great. why should why should a wrinkle or um, a little sagginess, a couple of extra pounds or or fifty extra pounds, why should that make a difference? Yeah, I Let's love that. choice that we're capable of this kind of pleasure and that we're capable of giving it. We're capable of that kind of intimacy. Yeah, and the intimacy, like you said, it's it's not just a physical act, of course. There's so much intimacy to be had and mm-hmm. maintained between you and the one that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also think I've been telling friends, too, to not... Um, aspire to look like or be like someone that is unattainable like if you are 16 and you've been looking up to a 20 year old actress that you think is beautiful and you want to age into that great but then you got to retire her out as you move into your 30s and then have a new aspiration like I actually find um French women can be so sensual and beautiful and they really limit the makeup they wear and the plastic surgery they have and they just 
dress elegantly for their age. And so I collect images of women that are like these older French women in their 60s and 70s and think and say to myself, like, I want to be like her. Maybe I won't be like sex, like a sex object to 20 year old men anymore, but I would love to be sensual my whole life. Yes. And I would love to walk in a room, present myself sensually and express myself in that way. So it's about too like looking up to people that are actually doing that in a way that you admire. I think a lot of that is that they know that they are sensual and sexual and desirable. Yeah. They haven't had that beaten out of them like we have. Yeah. Yeah. That is a culture definitely that embraces the older woman much more yeah. than Americans do. Yeah. 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 I love that. Any closing thoughts you might have? Well, I want to just appreciate you <laughs> for being willing to have me and my topic on your of show. Course. And I hope that the result of that is that maybe people who came into it thinking, I'm not sure I want to listen to this, will get to the end of the show and go, I'm glad I listened to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the only reason people might not listen is out of that fear. Like, yeah. oh, I don't even want to look at what that might be. But you do take the fear out of it. You're beautiful and sexy and sensual <laughs> and educated and sharp. And you have a relationship that you're proud to be in where you're self-respecting and, you know, you've overcome grief. Like, these are all beautiful aspiration qualities for a, a woman your age to have. So Thank you. I really appreciate it appreciate hearing that of course I really think that us young younger what did you say seniors in training seniors in training <laughs> really need to shift the people that we admire stop admiring people that are striving for things that are shallow and silly and start admiring yeah. women like yourself that realize there was a gap in the the books and education that people had on senior sex and you were brave and filled in those gaps and brave enough to fall in love at the age that you did and just jump in. I think that's all beautiful for us younger people to see. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and this interview and please go visit www.joanprice.com and she'll have all the links and resources and her blog and you can buy her books and that's it. We love you guys and God bless.